This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I want to speak to you this morning on when your Christianity doesn't work. When your Christianity doesn't work. We hear so much stuff in the body of Christ, and so much of it is good. But I thought about this, and I think there's something interesting, because it's kind of like when you learn body parts. You know, people want to talk to you about the importance of your heart and how you need to take care of it and it pumps the blood and it, everything's very true and then they speak to you about your liver and they speak to you about your endocrine system and they speak to you about your lungs and they speak to you about your vascular system and they speak to you about your... And they're telling you all of these things and you understand all of those things but I don't know how they fit together and I don't know why they're important and I don't know how that they relate to one another and it's really valuable. I found it valuable when I had an anatomy class Because they went and I could actually have a look at the human skeleton and I could overlay that and I could put all the different body parts into it. And I understood immediately why those different things were important. The role they played, the relationship they had to one another. And I found it so valuable. So what I want to do this morning is I want to do something something similar to you, for you, from a spiritual point of view. You see, we find ourselves in an interesting place because the journey that we're on is a journey to learn about how we have spiritual experiences. It's about how do we have spiritual experiences. Most of us don't have a challenge having natural encounters. But how do I encounter God? How do I get to know God? How do I move to a place where I have spiritual experiences? When God created man... He put man together, and what he did was, he said he took the dust of the earth, thank you, Donna, and he created man's body. And there it is. It's it's not quite as, as, as complex or as good looking as you, but it's a man. He created man of the dust of the earth. But the thing is that Man was fearfully and wonderfully man made. God understood that you were going to straddle two divides. He created a realm and a domain for you to exist in called the natural. And so he created you with a human form and a human body. But you needed to be a, a human being that was able to straddle both the natural and the spiritual. We needed to be able to have comprehension and understanding. So he cre- created man with a capacity for thought. You can think. Thinking is a good thing. We like people who think. The more you can stretch your thinking capacity and your intellectual aptitudes, the better you will be. But God not only created you with the opportunity to be able to think, but he said, I need for you to be able to feel. You need to be able to be a person who has feelings in your life. You need to be touched by experiences and touched by people. You need to be touched by different things so that you're able to feel who they are and have an inner expression of what that's all about. But he created us with another capacity, and that capacity is the ability to be able to make judgments. He created us with a free will. It's something that we have that angels don't have. You have the capacity to be able to decide what it is that you want to do with your life. How you want to decide, how how you want to move ahead with each one of those individual decisions that confront you on a regular basis. All of those things comprehensively form what we call the soul. When they talk about your soulish realm, what they're talking about is your feeling, your thinking, and your will. Those things collectively form the soul. 
But it says when God created man, he never only created him with a soul. It says that he picked him up and he breathed into him the breath of life. What he gave him, he created man with a spirit. What separates you from everything else in creation is that you have a spirit being. That truly is who you are. That's what gives you life and that's what separates you from every other creation that is out there. I'm kind of moving through these quite quickly because I want you to get a framework. But I want you to have a look at something in particular. At the very center there is something called the heart. It is the center of your being. All of those different individual elements collectively combine and overlap at that central point. Your heart is the most integral part to who you are. Your heart is really important because what your heart does is it defines who you are. It defines who you are as a human being. It makes you unique and distinct from everybody else. It's that place that houses your capacity to give expression to who you are and what you believe. How is it that I think that's different to other people? What is it about me that makes me unique? Why am I fundamentally different to so many other people is because of the collection of different things that accumulate in your heart. Your heart is so important because ultimately it defines who you are. The thing is, sorry, can I have that again? The the point is, if you have a look at those elements, all of those things are collectively flowing into a common place called your heart. Every one of those things is looking for an opportunity to sit and say, I want to be the one responsible for defining who you are. We have people who live by how they think. I think this. Well, the word of God says that. I don't care what the word of God says. This is what I think. People live by what they think. We have people who live by how they feel. I hate social media. Because everybody looks at a clip and a this and a that. And they say, I feel this and I feel that. And it becomes indicative of how they feel about the whole world. And it's like, okay, you haven't got any facts to sustain it. You're going by your feelings. Why? Because I'm wanting to define who you are. God is sitting saying, I want to get into that place, that most sacred space of who you are. I want to get in there. Your heart is important. If you look through scripture, scripture is replete with references to your heart. Guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Your heart is important because the heart defines you. Take care of it. Don't just let anything come into that space. Because if you let it take root in there, it's going to start to define who you are. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever's inside of you is going to come out. If you want to know what's living on the inside of you, listen to what's coming out of your mouth. It didn't come out of a vacuum. If you're listening to what's coming out and you don't like what's coming out of you, it means there's something on the inside that needs some attention. It's not for you. It's all the people at the beach today. (laughs) Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, your thoughts. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your Rafa was reading the Bible. (laughs) If you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all of your The Pharisee said to Jesus, what is the greatest of all commandments? Jesus says, I I can't do this. Where is Dave? Somebody. (laughs) Can you please fix this? 
He says in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37. He says, love the Lord your God with all your... No, that's not good. Give me a microphone. Can I have a microphone? Thank you. Okay. What? Hold on. Let me get my word. Where were we? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Love your Lord your God with all of your heart. What is he saying? I'm looking for the place in in that little space that defines who you are. What I'm saying is get a commitment to me. It's more than just sitting saying, Jesus, I love you. Father, I love you. It's sitting saying, I'm dedicated and I'm committing to you. And what I'm doing is I'm sitting saying that space that defines who I am. I'm making that space exclusively available to who you are. That's what love your God with all of your heart means. God wants to make himself known to you. God wants you to know who he is. And he's on a mission so that you get to not only know him, but you get to experience him. In Exodus chapter 25 and verse 8, God says, Let them build me a temple so that I may dwell among them. Let them build me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. What he was saying was, God's sanctuary and God's temple is God's place of habitation amongst humankind. It's about mankind. God is sitting saying, I don't want to be separated from you. I don't want to be in a different place to who you are. I'm coming to live with you. In the Old Testament, they never had a place that they could put God in. So what they did is they formed the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant. And they carried God around. But we're not in the old covenant anymore. We're in the new covenant. And in the new covenant, God is sitting saying, I'm looking for a living, visible expression and revelation of the invisible God. That's what he's looking for. He's looking and he's sitting saying, I'm trying to find a place where I can call my home. I'm looking for a space that I can come into. I'm looking for a place that you can begin to realize who I am. God is not a dead God. God is a living God. God is a living entity. It's not just because I serve a God up there who's way up there who's not interested in me. He's a living, vibrant being who's looking for us to touch the reality and the life of who he is. He doesn't only want to be a God who's just inaccessible and invisible. He's God who wants to be visible in our life. He wants to manifest who he is and for his nature to be established on the inside of us so that I walk into revelations and encounters of who he is. When he lives on the inside of us, what he's going to do is begin to manifest who he is. It's about revelation. It's revealing who I am so that that space on the inside of who you are begins to look a lot like God. Now I need a third hand. <laughs> when Jesus was on earth, Jesus said, The works that I do, I don't do of my own. I do them because the Father in me is the one who's doing them. I can't do this stuff. I'm human, I'm Jesus. It's God on the inside of me. It's Father on the inside of me that's doing stuff through me. Philip came to him and said, Jesus, 
show us the father. And he said, have I been with you so long that you don't see him? If you've seen me, you've seen the father. What he was saying to him was, I am the habitation of the father. What he was saying was the living God lives on the inside of me. And every time you see me healing the sick, every time you see me setting people free, every time you see me delivering individuals, what you're doing is you're seeing the Father at work in me. I am revealing the Father to you. I'm revealing the Father to you. John chapter 17. Verses 22 says, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them. Do you know what the glory is? Do you know what the glory of the God is? I can't get into this now. The glory, when it speaks about, when Jesus says he is there and he's going to reveal the glory, what he's talking about is he is manifesting the character of God. He's manifesting the the character and the nature of the Father. Sorry, Odana. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one. Just as we are one, I in them and you in me. That's so important. What God is saying is this. The only habitation I have on earth in the new covenant is in Christ. The only place I live is in Christ. It's really, really important. Because the thing is, when Jesus comes into us, what he's introducing us to is he's introducing us to the Father. And what he's saying is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but my me. If we don't get in through Christ, you don't have access to the Father. The Father lives in Christ. The Father lives in Christ. In John chapter 14 and verse 2. It says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. In John chapters 14 through 17, on a number of occasions, Jesus says, I am going to the father. He never says, I'm going to heaven as a place. He says, I'm going to the father as a person. It's really important. Because there is a big difference between heaven as the goal of the Christian pilgrimage and the Father as the goal of the Christian pilgrimage. What you set as your goal, God or heaven is going to determine the trajectory of your life. When we think that heaven is our goal as the born again believer, the challenge with it is we put ourselves in a path where we sit and say, I'm trying to do really good things because I want to get to heaven. I'm looking forward to heaven because everything that I need and everything that I want and the fulfillment of the Christian experience is when I get to heaven. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, I am going to the Father to prepare a place for you. When the, when the invitation and the habitation of God becomes the primary focus of my life, all of a sudden I recognize the space that God is wanting to do something inside of my life so that he can come and he can habit on the inside of me. He's wanting to introduce me to the Father. God, Jesus is not on a mission to build a palace for you up on the clouds. Anybody who tells you that is wrong. He's there to do something more intimate than that. When he speaks about mansions, what he's speaking about is Jesus is sitting saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you in the Father. And then I'm coming to prepare a place for the Father in you. 
He's got a twofold ministry that he's busy doing. He's got a twofold ministry. John chapter 15 and verse 4. It says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. The word abide, the verb abide, abide is, has the same Greek word as its root. As the word mansions. What Jesus is saying is this. I'm on a mission to create a space for you in the Father, and then I'm coming to create an abode for him in you. The reason that Jesus went to the cross was so that you could have a place in the Father. When Jesus rose from the dead, what did he do? He went up and he sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat. What was he doing? He was sitting saying, I am the sacrifice once and for all, for all of the sin of mankind. And now that I've sprinkled it on the mercy seat, all of a sudden, I'm in a place where I can sit and say, you know what? I recognize you, Christ, as Lord and Savior of my life. And what ends up happening? The very life of Christ comes and dwells on the inside of me. And suddenly I've discovered I have a place in God. I am now a son and a daughter of the Father. You have a place in God. He didn't only sprinkle it on the mercy seat. He sprinkled it in front of the mercy seat. Do you know why? Because it's an invitation for you to step into his presence. He prepared the opportunity and he sat and said, you can't do this. You can't get a place in him. I'm going to prepare a place for you in him and then I'm going to invite you in. Come on him to dad. You are a son of the father. You have a place in him. But that's only half the story. Because he did the work so that you had an abode in the Father. And then he says, now I'm coming to create a space in you. That's why our job is not to be Christ-like. You are not to be Christ-like. Christ-like is an imitation of the real deal. Stop trying to look like Christ because we're a poor replica of the authentic deal. What happens? Christ must be formed in us. Why must Christ be formed in us? Because the only place that the Father dwells is in Christ. No, Babette. Pay attention. The only place that the Father dwells is in Christ. You are in me and I will be in them. Christ has to be formed in us because when Christ is formed in us, all of a sudden what ends up happening is he starts to prepare a sanctuary, an abode on the inside of us where the Father can come and become a habitation, where he can live amongst man. There is only one vine, and that's Jesus. I am the vine. Anytime we try... To be Christ-like, we try to grow another vine in our life. We are not to be the vine. We are the branches. The branches are connected to the vine. 
what ends up happening is Christ is sitting saying, when I am revealed on the inside of you, when I take up residence on the inside of you, things are going to start to change in your life. And what's going to end up happening is the life that manifests itself in you is going to be fruit and you're going to experience it because you have me on the inside of you. It is the vine bearing fruit on the branches, which is us. The word of God is alive. And the moment that the word of God is planted in our heart, you are already in Christ. You're already in the Father. Where are you in Father? In your spirit. Can you put up that first slide, Donna? You are already in the Father. The minute that you were in the Father, your spirit man got the life of Christ on the inside of you. It's already in him. You are a son and you're a daughter of, of the father. You're in him. But now he's on a mission to make a space for you, for the father in you. Where is he doing that? In your heart. What is he doing? He's sitting saying, that's a whole parable of Matthew chapter four. It's the so sows the word. What is he doing? He's taking the word of God. Jesus and the word are one. Every time he takes the living word and he plants it in your heart, what is he doing? He's taking a part of the nature of Christ and he's putting it on the inside of you. And that nature carries within it the potential and the dynamic life to fulfill what it is. When you start planting seeds of healing, what's ending up happening is God is taking who he is and his health and his well-being and putting that on the inside of you. And as that begins to grow up, it begins to manifest itself. You don't get involved with the seed. Manage the heart. You manage the heart. Guard your heart. The whole parable of, of the sower sowing the word speaks about the four different kinds of hearts. What it's sitting saying is your responsibility is the heart. Christ and the Holy Spirit are responsible for the seed. He's getting it on the inside of us. He's putting it on the inside of us. If you go and have a look at um, Mark chapter 4, verse doesn't matter. Mark chapter 4, verse 13. Jesus says, if you don't understand this parable, how can you understand any parable? If you don't understand this, how can you understand any parable? What he's saying is this. When the seed of the word is planted in your heart and it begins to grow, what grows up on the inside of you and what germinates at that point is the start of the new creation in you. It's the start of the new creation in you. When the word starts to grow in the inside of your heart, he says all of a sudden you put yourself at a place where you'll be able to understand all parables. Why? Because I have the life of God on the inside of me now. It's starting to grow up. It gives me the capacity and the ability to recognize what God is doing and to move with him and step into that. It is the entrance the kingdom of God. When the seed starts to grow on the inside of us, it starts to burgeon and create the kingdom of God on the inside of who we are. What ends up happening is, as the seed of the word of God comes in and takes root in our life and begins to grow, so what ends up happening is our capacity for the things of God enlarges. 
And as it enlarges, we have more space for God to move in. And as more space is created for God to move in, so the kingdom expands in our life. It grows bigger. As more of Christ takes root in me, so more of the habitation of God, the kingdom, takes root in me. As more of Christ is built up in me, more of the kingdom of God is built up in me. The greater, that I, the greater capacity I have for the kingdom of God, the more I have a dwelling place for who to come in? The Father. I go to create a place for you, and then I'm coming to create a space for him. Some of the biggest challenges that Christians have are not outside of their world. It's it's what's residing inside of their hearts. Fear. Anxiety. Depression. Poor self-image. Inhibitions. Reside on the inside of us. The Holy Spirit's on a mission, not only to get the kingdom started and rooted in your life. He's on a mission to expand that. And every time that he introduces Christ is an opportunity for the kingdom to enlarge in our life. So when he comes to us and he says to us, you know what? Peace be with you. What he's doing is he's taking the seed and the promise of peace and he's putting it on the inside of you. And as you take care of that seed and you allow it to grow and you allow it to germinate and you allow it to expand on the inside of you, what ends up happening is it becomes a habitation for Jehovah Shalom. The God of peace comes in. All of a sudden, the living Visible expression and revelation of the God of peace is suddenly a habitation on the inside of me. He comes and he resides there. And when God resides there, it begins to change everything. Because it doesn't mean that your circumstances are not against you. What it means is I'm living from a place where Jehovah Shalom is established on the inside of me. And the God of peace is the one who directs me and establishes me and leaves me grounded and rooted in peace. Despite what's happening around me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What If you really understand that, people use silly examples. It's like, well, God doesn't say you can fly. If you understand who Christ is and you get Christ established on the inside of you, Christ will introduce you to what he's all about. That's what it's saying. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when it takes root in my heart and it begins to grow, it establishes a dwelling place for Jehovah Nissi to come. And he begins to reside in that space. And all of a sudden, the living, visible expression and revelation of the God of triumph comes and lives on the inside of me. And when the God of triumph establishes himself on the throne of my life, all of a sudden, the kingdom within me has expanded. Because now I've got the God of peace and I've got the God of triumph living on the inside of me. When things are against you and Jesus says, you know what, never fear because I will be with you. I will be with you always. And everything that you need, I have provided for. And you allow the root of that to take, if you allow the seed of that to take root in your life, it introduces you to Jehovah El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. And all of a sudden, the living, visible expression and revelation of the God that's more than enough begins to take residence, residence on the inside of you. What's happening? I'm changing as a person. 
All of a sudden, the kingdom is getting established on the inside of me. Now I've got the God of peace, and I've got the God of of triumph, and I've got the God who's more than enough resident on the inside of me. It changes everything. I haven't got time to get into this, but it also changes the way that we live. Everything in the Christian walk goes back to, to Christ. So when you talk about our faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for. What is it that you're hoping for? I'm hoping for peace. I'm hoping for triumph. I'm hoping for the God who's more than enough. Where is it? On the inside of you. The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen is I might not be able to see it, but I know that Jehovah is in the inside of me and he's established. He's part of my kingdom. What it does is it puts me at a place where I begin to live by faith. All of a sudden, my heart has become spiritually charged. I see things differently and I live differently because I recognize that the God who is just a distant God up there somewhere is taking residence on the inside of me and he's looking to introduce me to overcoming and to peace and to victory and to provision and to everything that he is. John 3.3 says... Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What it's saying is, Christ is the one who is born in your heart. Unless you are born again and he comes in and he creates a place on the inside of you for the Father to come and to habit with you, it doesn't happen. You've got to be born again. Second Corinthians Chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If Christ is on the inside of you, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. Are of God. Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Everything of the Father has been reconciled to us through what Jesus has done. He created the opportunity. He came in and he formed a sanctuary on the inside of you. What's important to know is this. The Father God lives in Christ. And as Christ lives in us, what ends up happening is we have an abode on the inside of us where the Father comes and habits. And he lives on the inside of us. If you turn to Revelation chapter 21 and verse 3, it says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. This is not some distant promise out in the future. It's not about getting to heaven before you realize it. It's sitting saying God is looking for you to get to know him. The father is looking for an opportunity to introduce himself to you in all of his many dimensions. What he says is the way to me is through Christ. When we discover a place for ourselves in him, the very life of Christ comes and dwells inside of our spirit. But then Christ gets on a mission because he wants to get into our heart, that place that defines who we are, how we live and what we're all about. And he says, I'm going to make a place for the Father inside of you. 
And he does that by taking his word and allowing the Holy Spirit to plant that on the inside of us. Protect the seed by taking care of your heart. The Holy Spirit and Christ will take care of the seed and grow to maturity as long as you protect it by taking care of your heart. And the result will be that you will walk into a realization and an experiential reality of the greater one living on the inside of you. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me is the hope of experiencing the nature and the character of God. Father, we just want to thank you for your word. I thank you for your goodness to us. Holy Spirit, I just want to thank you for what you're doing in the lives of people. And I bless you for it right now. I thank you for the words that have been sown. And I pray that every person sitting here today, every person listening to this, I pray that it will be transformational in their life. And people will leave here and never be the same. We thank you that you love us so much, Father that you've created a pathway for us to know you, for us to experience you. We just bless you for it. We thank you for your love and your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen.